Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. A happy Sunday morning to you, Vikings Nation. The Purple Podcast is back with, I think, our third edition of the week. Desperate times indeed do call for desperate measures. We had our regular podcast on Friday. Phil Mackey made his debut for an emergency edition earlier this week after Teddy Bridgewater injured his knee. And yesterday, after the Vikings traded their first-round pick and another pick that could be a conditional fourth, could be a conditional third, could be a conditional second, depending on what happens, Judge Logan and I decided people need to hear from us again. We have to get back out there and break this down with our loyal listeners. So we are back for our third edition in less than seven days. Aren't you folks lucky? Ben Gessling from ESPN, Judd Zolgad from 1500 ESPN and 1500ESPN.com. Breaking down the Sam Bradford trade, of course, and we'll probably focus mostly on that yesterday or the, today, and we'll, uh, we'll get into a little bit of the roster cuts, but we will mostly be focused on Sam Bradford and the, the big trade the Vikings made yesterday to try to keep their season together. Judd, what were your initial impressions of that deal um i found out uh, yesterday morning right before we started saturday morning sports talk with Royce and myself and my very first impression was wow didn't see that coming <laughs> uh quickly thereafter though giving it some thought i actually i like it now now let me say this back up for one second and say if the Vikings had done what I think a lot of us thought they should do and been a little bit more prepared at backup quarterback, you don't have to give this much up. Yeah. But that being said, if you want to give the Vikings the benefit of the doubt and say how many starting caliber quarterbacks get hurt basically 12 days before the season starts, which is very odd, uh, I think what Rick Spielman did here, while, while you certainly could make a case he gave up too much, Ben, and while you certainly could, could make a case that there was definitely a level of panic involved with this trade, yeah. All of that being said, I think you went from going to bed if you're a Viking fan Tuesday night saying, what is this team going to do? I've gone from high hopes to I don't know what to think. 
uh, to Thursday thinking, going through a list of, okay, Mark Sanchez or Aaron Murray or backup, 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 yeah. uh, to going to bed last night on Saturday saying, I think things are back to the point where this team has, has put itself in a good position at quarterback again. Sam Bradford has injury concerns. There's certainly things that could go wrong there. But given the parameters of you've got a, 30, a 31-year-old Hall of Fame running back in Adrian Peterson coming back, coming off a very good year, you've got what we think could be a top-five defense, and you're going to move into uh, a $1.1 billion stadium, I think you've at least, with all due respect to Brett Favre, put the pieces back in place to feel pretty good about things. Hey, I'll do the Favre impressions on this show, all right? I like to do the Favre impressions. Yeah, I covered Favre for four so years. Much better than yours, though. Do you think it's better? Do you really think it's better? I might just go away. Is my impression better? Then I'd come back. Maybe. And of course, if he had just... We should do this whole podcast if he had just, talking like far. If he had just picked up the phone, things would have been fine because he could have flown here and played quarterback for, oh, for this team. Man, you cover he, the guy. He could have missed training camp. You need to work on that. We need to get back in the uh, in the film room to, to work on that far of impression. All right, go ahead. The, the big thing with this trade for me... Is Kevin Seifert and I were discussing kind of different sides of this yesterday, and we wrote about different sides of it. Um, yeah, Kevin kind of talked about this shows how desperate their quarterback situation was because they were one hit away from having to play Joel Stave. Yes, there was that part of it that was a crisis. I would submit, however, that you could have solved that problem without giving up a first-round pick. You could have gone to get somebody else, probably, and I don't know exactly what the trade market was. I'm sure it was high. But you probably didn't have to give up two picks to just go get a guy that would give you another option other than Joel Stave in the event that Sean Hill got hurt or wasn't effective. The reason you make the trade that you did is because you still believe, and this is what I wrote, you still believe in the idea that we can go to the Super Bowl, or possibly win it with a decent quarterback and what we have. So you go out and get the closest thing to Teddy Bridgewater that you can find, not in terms of style necessarily, but at least in terms of a guy that has been an NFL starter, a guy that that has a little bit of a track record. He's certainly not elite and, and not even close to that. But if he is, he's not available. And if he is, the Eagles don't take a quarterback second overall. But... You go out and get a guy like that because you still think if we have a competent quarterback, we can take this thing a long way. Yes, And I think that part of it is why they made this trade more than anything else. Yes. No, this is – listen, if you want the reason, in my opinion, why you make this trade, the the Wilfs have been very good since they bought this team in 2005, I really believe, in not – injecting themselves into a lot of decisions yeah all of that being said when the Wilfs feel that this team has a real chance to win football games I think once in a while they get involved uh case in point I've been told several times through the years that in uh, 2008 when so Childress's third year yep the Vikings have a good team Childress is sticking with Tavares Jackson yep uh they lose their first two games of that season they're 0-2 all of a sudden they get up to, uh, to the podium. And by the way, th- this was an administration at the time that wouldn't tell you who was starting a quarterback if a gun was to their head. <laughs> if there was a decision to be made, right. they get up to the podium after the, uh, after the Colts lost to put them at 0-2 and announce Gus Farratt is our quarterback. I was always told the Wills basically went and said, look, you guys got to make a change here. Uh, in this situation, 
Rick Spielman is going to basically take this trade on himself and say, I made this trade, my decision, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sorry, Ben. There's no way that the Wilfs could also sit there with Bridgewater getting hurt in a freak accident. There's no way ownership was going to sit there going into that stadium with those prices and with those concession prices. And on the first Sunday night in week two of the season, when they play the Packers, they were going to allow Sean Hill to be paraded out as their starting quarterback. So I firmly believe this was an organizational decision that basically, from the moment uh, Teddy went down, if the Vikings said, oh my gosh, what should we do? I believe the, o- what should the, we do? the owners came. What should we do? do you, should I just disappear? The owners came in, I think, probably and said, I'll tell you one thing, gentlemen, the expectations aren't going down. There's too much at stake here. And so, so if this had been a couple years ago, do I, I think if the starting quarterback goes down, uh, do they make a move like this? Absolutely not. Do I make a move? Maybe. But, <laughs> but right, given – this is really bad. But given all of the things that come together and the expectations for uh, 2016, I think there were a lot of people saying, okay, Bridgewater's hurt, but we have to, we have to get somebody in here who's going to keep people excited and very engaged – and the second thing, too, Bradford signed a two-year contract in March. Yep. And this is a nod, and rightfully so. This is a nod to the fact that they have no idea if and when Bridgewater can come back. Right. I mean, this comes down to, this comes down to a, a, very, a very clear game plan of two years of Bradford at least and a very real chance that in April of this year, or of 2017, excuse me, coming year, they draft a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, this is there. There is nothing about what happened to Bridgewater that's short term. No, if nothing, no, best I agree ca- with that. best case, Ben, best case, he is competing for his old job with Bradford in probably October at the earliest, or or November of 2017. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how it all plays out. It certainly is feasible to think that we're on that kind of a timetable. The fact that they went out to get a guy, and Rick Spielman said it last night that is signed for 2017, I think is certainly a factor here. I think if you, again, were figuring this is just a stopgap for this year, which Rick Spielman kind of tried to say on Thursday night when he was talking to us, which we all sort of thought was posturing, if if it was just for this year, you don't probably need to go out and give up what you did. No. You draft one next spring if you have to, and I, I know that means you have to start over and all of that, but I think... That is part of the reason that they did this. Uh, the fact that you have a guy for next year and that you don't have to go into next season counting on Teddy Bridgewater to be healthy. Now, the whole mysterious other structural damage that they haven't told us, we'll see if they tell us more once they get in and do the surgery exactly what that other structural damage was. We'll probably, hopefully, hear from them about a timetable once they get in and do the surgery, which probably will be this week. Hopefully we'll have a better idea of how much of a recovery we're talking about. But even if it's on the optimistic end of all that. Yep. So you're talking like next May, next June that he's ready on the early end of that. And you're going into minicamp already at this point. You're past the draft. You you still aren't going to know. I was I mean, going to say. You're I, still not going to know if he's healthy ben, until I, he gets hit. Ben, I bet he realistically isn't even completely clay, cleared Best case until probably we're up against training camp yeah. a year from now. Yeah. So yeah, I mean this trade, this trade cost this team a lot, 
Uh, the other thing to keep in mind, too, about this league is windows are open for very brief time periods. Yes. I mean, this, the most haughty, stupid thing to say is, well, yeah, I mean, but look at this defense. These guys are going to be good for you. You don't know about injuries. You don't know about uh, pending contracts in certain situations. So so where I will give, uh, give Spielman and, and this organization the benefit of the doubt big time is when you identify the window is open, yeah. you go for it. Yeah. Now, now to backtrack to what we talked about, I believe, on Friday's podcast was the 2010 Moss trade was a panicked and bad trade because the reality was the head coach at the time, Brad Childress, couldn't handle Moss. Right. And so that blew up. Uh, where I give where I give the Vikings and Zimmer the benefit of the doubt in this situation is you don't look at Bradford and say, oh, boy, he's a problem. He's no. not a problem. No, that won't be an so issue. So they're, they're going to be fine there. Uh but given the timetable and the, what they had to work with trade-wise, I don't look at – I mean, there's a lot of people today or in the past two days saying, how could you give this up and that up and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but also, if this trade works out, that first-round pick is a late first-round pick. Yep. And so if we had been discussing, for instance, a top-ten pick, yes, right. then that's a lot to give up. But if this works out – and you're as successful as the Vikings expect to be, and you're drafting, let's say, 24th to 30th, yeah, 32nd, you're not saying to yourself, man, that's a tough draft pick to give right. up. Now, if it doesn't work, if you end up, if this thing blows up, and you end up picking 10th overall, then there are going to be a lot of people that look back and say, okay, that was the wrong thing to do. But I also am not of the belief that you look back at the results necessarily, and I, I know... People are going to say, oh, you're in the media. All you do is second-guess and, and look at things in hindsight. Oh, that's very true, actually. Well, I like to do that. that is a, a, a perk of the that's job, our job, I suppose. But I do think it's better to look at decisions for what they were rather than how they worked out. And that's, I mean, you can, you can make the right decision and have the wrong results. I mean, mm-hmm. things can go wrong, and you can still say, well, we were our decision-making process, our thought process was right. And I don't know if that's the case here or not. I think I do think, and I agree with you, that if you are making the decision off of the belief that we have a chance to win now and win big now, you cannot sit here and say, well, in a year we'll be fine, particularly when your offense is still built around a running back that's 31 years old and will be 32 next year. And right. and is definitely in the last year of his contract. Oh, with that, his team. that's clear now. now, now it, that's absolutely clear now at this he, point. Now, he might get it. Rework. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Peterson's done as a Viking after 2016, but what I am saying is this is he is not coming back on this current contract in 2017. It's going to have to be redone. And plus, he's 31. You're right. There's no as much as as fans of the Vikings would like to think he's Adrian. Yeah. Superman. You know, so far he's been fantastic, but there's going to come injury. And there's a cliff. There's just yeah. a cliff there. It's no one's fault, but there's no position in the in the NFL that you can play where you could say, yeah, you know what he's going to do? He's going to 45. He's going to 40. No, right. it's not going to happen. He's a running back. Eventually, it's going to happen. I will bet on him longer than I will bet on most to well, he's shown stay that. past. I mean, he's already passed credit. the cliff. I mean, the cliff should have been 29. The cliff should have been last year. Hey, to his credit, he's done this. But when he's yep. 31 and he's coming off a season where he was as Good as he was, and when you look at the amount of carries that they gave him, yeah, you don't you don't look at 2016 and say to yourself, "Well, it'd be nice to win," but Peterson yeah. in 2017 is going to be fantastic. Well, I can't make that judgment. I think the financial part, and I want to get into this for a minute here. 
is very interesting. I, I kind of dug into this a little bit last night and wrote about it this morning for ESPN.com. Andy Carlson here for the Purple for the Win podcast, dedicated to the pain and pleasure that is the Minnesota Vikings and baby. 1500 ESPN has seen it fit to bring us into the sphere this year, so we'll be doing three shows a week, talking Vikings, have a car wash of fantastic guests, talk at length about the backup tight end situation. And remember, everyone's middle name is Jerome. It's going to be a lot of fun or terrible. It'll be one of the two. Get it on the 1500 and Podcast One app or on iTunes or at purpleftw.com. Let's go. The fact now that you have Sam Bradford here means your days of we can build our roster counting on a cheap quarterback are officially over because what's going to happen now? You're going to have Sam Bradford. You're probably going to pick up Teddy Bridgewater's fifth-year option next spring, which means the only way that you have a quarterback – a starting quarterback making less than eight figures for the foreseeable future is if you feel good enough to cut Sam Bradford next year and play Teddy Bridgewater on the last year of his cheap contract. I don't think that's going to happen. No. So if Ted, the next time Teddy Bridgewater is the highest earning quarterback on your roster, he's going to be making $11, $12 million a year. So your days of we can count on having a quarterback cost of 3 or $4 million, unfortunately for the Vikings, are over. And that was a big advantage to having a young quarterback in this current system. Yep. The Seahawks have made have taken advantage of it. The Panthers took advantage of it before they paid Cam Newton. It was huge. Right. The Colts did it. And I mean, it was supposed to last for it's supposed to last for three or four years. Yeah, and now it's gone. And that's why you play young quarterbacks so that you have that advantage, but it is officially over because this really was the last year or next year was the last year that you could count on that. So now when you have Sam Bradford making a lot of money, his cap hit next year for the Vikings will be $17 million. They don't have to pay Philadelphia. Philadelphia's got the signing bonus. That won't hit the Vikings cap, I don't believe. Okay. But you're paying Sam Bradford a cap hit of $17 million. Adrian Peterson has a cap hit of $18 million. Both those guys have roster bonuses due in the first week of the league year, meaning you are going to have to address their contracts soon. One of those two deals, at least, is getting reworked. And Bradford can be, not that I think this is going to happen, but Bradford could be cut in March at that time without a financial penalty. Is that correct? Well, there, there's, so there's currently $4 million of his 2017 salary guaranteed. They could cut him before the roster bonuses do and save that. The, the $4 million, however, does have offset language, meaning if there's another team that signs Sam Bradford, right. the Vikings don't have to pay a portion of that guaranteed cash to Sam Bradford. So, in other words, if if some other team signs him and says, we'll give you $2 million guaranteed sure. or $5 million, whatever it would happen to be, the Vikings don't have to pay. They they basically pay the guaranteed money less whatever another team gives Sam Bradford in, in terms of, of guaranteed money, I believe. The offset language certainly would reduce their financial burden okay. if they were to cut Sam Bradford. So there there is some recourse for them but odds are you're not going to be able to make a decision in march saying yeah we can let him go because teddy's good to go i i think the fact that you're not teddy's injury happened when it did yes. means you probably are, have sam bradford on your roster at a fairly high cap number in 2017 so explain this to me a ben. market rate cap number which is high explain this to me then um given the scenario that, that we've been talking about with the with the um luxury of bridgewater being in his rookie deal yeah. through 2018 which is still the case, but given the situation with the fact that you just went out and acquired a quarterback uh, with a two-year contract who is going to be compensated 
compensated very well. How has this all now changed the structure of the one thing the Vikings love to do, which is with Bridgewater's deal being cheap, when Xavier Rhodes comes yeah. up, he can be re-signed. When Sharif Floyd comes up, because the luxury in the Harrison Smith deal was, yeah, we can give our safety that deal because our quarterback's not breaking the bank. Yep. Yep. Uh, how has the moment that they traded for Sam Bradford on Saturday, how has that conversation shifted differently now? Well, I think it certainly shifts in a, in a number of cases, and I think the fact that that Rob Brzezinski manages the Vikings cap as well as he does. And the Vikings like to do this, what we kind of call pay as you go approach to things where they front load deals. They don't give signing bonuses. There's not all of this back loaded cash. That's going to hit the cap later. I mean, all of it comes out on the front end. And then essentially you have in most cases when the Vikings do deals, effectively they're two year deals with a bunch of options on the end. They're not really five year deals Mm -hmm. in terms of the leverage you have. So they can continue to do some of that, but they already have like $140 million in cap commitments for next year now that they made the Sam Bradford deal. Right. So and there are going to be guys that get cut. There are going to be guys that get hurt. There are going to be guys that get reworked. Sure. But they are going to have to go to more of their veteran players and make some of those decisions. A guy like Captain Munerlin, who is a free agent after this year, $5 million or, or whatever it will take to bring him back, maybe a little bit more than that, you maybe don't look to do that now. Maybe you look to say, Mackenzie Alexander, you're going to have to be the guy here because we can't afford to pay a slot corner $5 million when Xavier Rhodes is going to get a raise. A guy like, uh, I mean, Linville Joseph is, is a guy that you're going to have to keep paying. Right. But, I mean, some of, the, some of the offensive linemen that you have, Brandon Fusco, for example, a, a guy like that, do you have to make a tougher decision now on where is this guy's contract? Kyle Rudolph is another one to this think about. This is all going to have I to mean, come all from these, somewhere. Yes, this is what happens to teams when they get good when they draft young players and they play well, is these players eventually get to be more expensive and you have to make some tough decisions. The unfortunate part for the Vikings is that the date that they have to make some of those decisions is going to come up faster. And the first one they're going to have to make is going to be on Adrian Peterson. I think the fact that Adrian Peterson signed for $18 million, $18 million cap number next year. I don't think he was ever going to play at that number. Right. But and there was some specu- there was there was some speculation with Bridge Bridgewater here that he might play at that. Now I didn't you get you I didn't lived with that. buy that. But now that's just a non that's just a no go. Right. I mean, you could have lived with it and the reason the Vikings have been able to pay Adrian Peterson as handsomely as they've paid him for as long as they've done it. Yep. Yes, he's he's been worth the money in the sense that he's the best running back in the league. If you look at what running backs around the league make, especially ones that are more of a factor in the passing game, he's probably overpaid. I think we I think it's fair to say that and this is not oh, a I think slight def- on no, I think that's performance, but true. but in terms of a market value on his yes. contract, he's probably overpaid. The Vikings have been able to do that because of the number of young players they have and particularly because of the fact that they're not paying a quarterback a lot of money. They now are paying a quarterback what it costs to pay a quarterback in 2016. Yes, it's a lot of money. In the in the grand scheme of things, the NFL, Sam Bradford's like the 19th or 20th highest paid quarterback in the league. It's not like you're paying top dollar at the moment. I mean, there's probably a few, few million dollars more that you're going to get to when you do that. But they are paying market value for a quarterback now, which means the idea of having a running back that's making like 40% more than any other running back in the league and is scheduled to be at $18 million next year at age 32 – that whole arrangement isn't really tenable anymore. You're going to have to come to terms with reality a little bit there, whether you restructure his deal or whether you say, 
we're going to move on after this year. Right, because your primary concern does have to be the wave of younger guys coming up for second contracts, which the Vikings have a a very well-documented and good history of not allowing the Xavier Rhodes of the world to walk away, which you can't do. I mean, you can't draft those guys. Well, you can. You shouldn't draft those guys, develop those guys, have them get good and say, oh, you know what, now we can't afford you. Yeah, they're doing it the way you should do it. And the fact that the TV contracts keep injecting more money into the cap may help them a little bit. But they are going to – I mean – Look at their offensive line. They have like five guys signed for next year, and the highest earning player among them is Brandon Fusco. So, I mean, you could, I guess probably Alex Boone, but in any case, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make in the offensive line. So you either decide to pay a guy like Matt Khalil or you're going to get more, you know, rookies or or younger players to play there. Sure. So they have some decisions to make there, and, and they will have the leverage to be able to work through some of those things. But that's a spot where you're going to have to make some big decisions. I mean, there are a lot of those areas where those questions will have to be answered soon. Anthony Barr is another one. I mean, a lot of these picks yeah, are those, coming up for And those deals. are the guys they don't allow to walk away. Right. But, but those decisions were made easy with the Bridgewater contract in place, so now decisions have to be made to compensate for the fact that you're going to have yeah. a lack of cap room. Yeah. Uh, so one week... Or at least less cap room. Less cap room. Yeah, one week uh, from today, September 11th, the Vikings will open the regular season at Tennessee. Against the Titans. Uh, from the moment the Bradford trade was made, I heard speculation about I, st- I still think Sean Hill starts. I still, I personally will be very surprised if Sean Hill starts this game. Sam Bradford, all of this. Listen, number one, he's, Bradford's been around since 2010. Right. He's played for numerous coordinators. Played for like five and yes. six years or something like you that? You don't have to have, for week one in Tennessee, you don't have to have the entire playbook in place. And, of course, there always comes back to the conversation that I like to bring up. You have the co-offensive coordinator here yeah, in Pat Shermer, who was not only Bradford's coordinator in St. Louis in 2010, but was his coordinator in Philadelphia last year. And, and I'm telling you, you watch practice and games, too. You know as well as I do that there were Shermerisms yeah. brought into this offense with Bridgewater, who, by the way, is a better West Coast quarterback than a downfield guy, yes. which Norv likes. So for those saying there's no way that Bradford can learn Norv's offense and Norv this and, and Norv that, I think they're going to tell Norv, hey, Norv, we're going to use, we'll use some of your stuff for Sam on Sunday, and we're also going to use a lot of what Pat Shermer taught him for the last blank it year. It is getting two a years. lot harder Come on, to buy dismiss in. your theory as the crazy old uncle sitting on the porch <laughs> spouting conspiracy theories. I will give That's you that. Clint Eastwood, and it he's is, a hell of an actor. Don't sell Eastwood short. harder to paint you the sports Grinch as Don't sell the, the Zolgad uncle. short. The Zolgad knows what he's talking about <laughs> in this case. No, I mean, you're right. The, the fact that they come out and say Pat Shermer's experience with this guy is going to help a lot, and Pat Shermer was a big part of the reason we made this deal, I mean, yes, that they do that. I mean, when you have anybody and you have guys that have been with somebody, you do things based on the fact that you have somebody in your building that says, oh, I, I know this guy. He's good at this. He's not good at that. You don't have to worry about him doing this. You don't have to worry about him getting in trouble or whatever it would happen to be. But the fact now that you have a quarterback that you went out to get that has played with Pat Shermer when he's been the offensive coordinator in in Two stops now. Yeah, rookie year in 2010 in St. Yep. Louis, and then Shermer bolted to Cleveland right. for two years, yep. got fired, went to Philadelphia eventually, yep. and, and, was, they traded for and, was, and was Bradford's OC with Chip Kelly yes. last year. Yes, so the fact that all of that 
is happening now, and it is not, it's not coincidence. The Vikings are, are making these moves saying, okay, this guy can work with Pat Shermer. He knows Pat Shermer. It, it does make you wonder a little bit how much of an influence he's going to have. It, it is getting a lot harder to write you off as the crazy old uncle. I really Unfortunately, I, I enjoy writing you off as a I know you do, local, but and Kramer did it's too. Hard but that's to okay. Do that. You youngsters will learn from the fact that there is always in the in the National Football League, son. There is always a conspiracy son. at work. Oh, boy. So, what do you uh, do? You agree though with, with the fact that, and I fully expect that Zimmer and the Vikings will uh, drag this out for the oh, entire yeah. week. And, yeah. and by the way, let me be very clear about this: one, I have no problem with that fact. Now, I think that a lot of people like yourself will you dig. You media will are dig, so entitled. You just think dig. that you're... But two, two, if Mike Zimmer wants to call me now, we could talk about what I like to call competitive advantage because yeah. this is a competitive advantage. Yes. He should not tell people who's going to start. Now, if you unearth that information through a source, good for you, and yeah. I encourage you to do so. Um, but this is a situation where if Adrian Peterson's going to play in a preseason game against San Diego, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. This is a situation where I very much would send Sean Hill to the podium on Wednesday, go to the podium on Wednesday, yep. uh, and parade him around as a starting quarterback, and then Bradford starts on Sunday. But do you agree with me, which is I will be very surprised if that game starts Sunday with Sean Hill at quarterback? I guess I will be surprised if Sean Hill is the quarterback at U.S. Bank Stadium in Week 2. I will go that far. I'm not quite willing to go with you yet to the point of, Sam Bradford. Walk down the path with me, Gessling. All right. Walk down the path with me. I, I, could, do I could see it happening. They're going to start him. But I could also see a situation where they say, we're going to start with Sean Hill for a week, or at least have him start the game, and we'll have a quick trigger on him if we need one. I I do agree with you that we're probably not going to have Sean Hill as a starting quarterback for very long, and... I think Sean Hill knows that from from the people I was able to talk to yesterday. I mean, Sean Hill's been around long. I don't he think he's it. upset one bit. No, he's I don't. He's thirty six so years old. He knows he's going to get killed if they play is. him, he, and he knows that you don't trade a first round pick for a guy that you're going to sit. There's a party on our podcast, and you're invited. Hey, everyone, Anthony Maggio here. Join me, Bo Mitchell, and John Tuvey every Thursday through Week 16 of the NFL season for 1500 ESPN's Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Whether you're an office league novice or swimming with the DFS Sharks, we've got all the analysis and mostly dated cultural references you need to make you a winner. Find us on Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, or subscribe on iTunes today. When Rick Spielman uh, stood up in the press box at U.S. Bank Stadium on Thursday night and said we have complete uh, confidence in Sean Hill, what Rick was trying to say was, if I can't make a trade for a quarterback, this is the line we got to go with. Right. Uh, but there's never, there was never any doubt in my mind that, one, they had no interest in Sean Hill starting, which is fine. He was never brought in here to start. He was brought in as a mentor. And, two, you know, Sam Bradford, you go, you go to Oklahoma City on Saturday and get him in a Wilf plane and fly him back here and have him in Winter Park by 430 trying to learn this offense – which, of course, he knows a lot of already because of Pat Shermer. But you, do, you don't do that because you're saying to yourself, you know what, we're going to have to do is start Sean Hill on Sunday. You know, as, as long as that plane was in Oklahoma City, I mean, it could have made a quick bank to the east and see if you could have gotten a twofer. How do you know it didn't? I don't How know do you know they, that they, they blocked didn't. the tail number? I don't know. How do you know? Well, actually, he could be in the building right now. Actually, I'm going to share a little, a little secret of the Wolves, the Jets, okay? They own a fleet of them yes. that they freelance out of Teterboro, I believe, in New Jersey. Okay. And therefore, there are the planes. There's one, there's one or two planes with the 
with the Vikings crest on it. Okay. But there's also a fleet of planes that they own that they can covertly send out when they want. Mm, so, tricky. in fact, tracking a Wolf plane as a reporter, they do block. They block the tail numbers on the main Wolf planes that have the Vikings logo on them, but it's very difficult to do because they can send non-Vikings planes that they own, mm. the private fleet. But yeah, I don't up to our tricks. I don't think you go and get uh, Sam Bradford that quickly. Get him back here and uh, immediately take him to your facility and start going over playbook and film with the guy. If you're still questioning who's going to start, I w- and yeah, I'm, and, and you know what? That's fine. That's good. He should start. He's right. the quarterback. We're yeah. Tomorrow when we ask Rick Spielman about it, he is going to play coy with it. I think. I was even told yesterday they haven't told anybody yet. They haven't told the quarterbacks yet what they're going to do. They won't for a few days, probably. They won't for a few days. And that's fine. Because they don't want it to leak out yet. I, you know, I, the competitive advantage thing I get, I think it's a little silly when you assume the Tennessee Titans are going to be sitting there saying, well, you know, we'll prepare for Bradford, but what if they put Sean Hill out there? We're not going to be able to handle it. I mean, that that's yeah, how NFL that's coaches think. Yes, and I, I get it. I think that's a, you know taking the the NFL blinders off for a second. I'm kind of like, come on, guys, really? Is this really going to change the well? Your that's like world we were, that much. I I understand it. In two thousand, I'm not worried about it. Two thousand and seven, I think it was when we were trying to go back and forth with Childress about Tavares or Kelly Holcomb, for instance, yeah. or Brooks Bollinger. Do you really think the Packers are sitting there being like, sleep? If they start, oh my gosh, if they start Bollinger. Oh, boy, it's over. Yeah, our Tavares Jackson playing already, but Brooks Bollinger, we but, can't handle it. But what I'm saying is at I least I— worked out fine for the Packers, if I remember. At least I understand—I'm going to ignore that. At least I understand <laughs> why the Vikings, in this case, will probably try and keep as quiet as possible. Yeah, yeah, um, it makes sense here. But this is not—to me, this is not going to be a—we get to week three and Bradford throws— the, the wrong route or something, and we're all saying, oh, man, he doesn't get this offense. No, no. I think that's absolutely not going to happen. Well, and the other part, too, when you're talking about he signed for two years, Sean Hill is not signed after this year. Right. Sean Hill will not be here next year. No, they have basically They're going to draft a quarterback. Yeah, or, they're going or Taylor to, Heineke's here, I suppose. But they, Yeah, it's very possible Taylor, they're going to Taylor Heineke, I'm sorry, but Taylor lost a lot of my faith when he put the <laughs> foot through the glass door. He's trying to help his buddy out. He was, if he, you're, he was no, late. Honest to God, if your judgment ability as a quarterback is that poor and you're in the NFL, you lose a lot of credibility with me. You know what this was? This was Taylor Heineke demonstrating how good of a leader he is. He was saying, hey, I'm not going to sit here and let my buddy sit on his own. I'm the quarterback. I'm the guy driving the bus here. I'm going to stick my foot in there and try to make this happen. I'm going to try to make a play when we need to make a play in the fourth quarter. I'm going to kick the door down. I, I'm going to kick the a door down class. because we can't get in. Somebody's got to take this on their shoulders, and it's going to be me. I think the fact that Taylor Heineke did that shows you I can't even. Yeah, I why can't, don't you? I can't. Why don't you stop with this threat right now? It's so. I, I pulled a Jimmy Fallon. I broke in the last two seconds of the skip. Now your credibility was shot at that point. That was a bit. I didn't believe that for a second. So, besides also the factor that whether Bradford starts against the Titans, the trade He's itself. Be the soon. The trade itself. Are there any other things that the potential financial implications that will occur because of it? Are there any other things about the trade that? Uh, that intrigue you the only other thing that came right to my mind is i didn't hear unless i missed it i didn't hear one person last week as we went through lists and lists of quarterbacks yeah. mention sam bradford no because i, I all thought i think we all thought well he's going to start in philadelphia right. and carson Wentz. but yeah he was the one name of, of all the the laundry list of names that we 
that we went through during the week trying to, to deduct who they might go get. Sam Bradford, I don't think he ever came up. Well, I think I read something on the Philadelphia kind of saying, yeah, it would make sense to trade him, but the Vikings wouldn't be crazy enough to give up a first-round pick, so we don't even need to worry about it. And then, lo and behold, here we are. I, yeah, I think the fact that you weren't sitting there looking at most guys that were current starters other than guys like Colin Kaepernick, who seemed to be on the outs, and you know, thank God we don't have to deal with covering that. You wouldn't have week. enjoyed that. No, your primary employer might have had my you pretty busy. Primary employer would have enjoyed that very much. Yes, which is why I would not have enjoyed it personally. Let me guess, you would have had to get to the stadium, and the first post from you would have been not the inactives and all that good stuff, but a post required of did he sit or stand. Or Neil. How did he react during the, the national anthem practice while he was out there for warm-ups? It would have been something like that. Yes, there would have been some element of that. So I'm, I'm very glad that that didn't happen. But, yeah, setting all that aside, because we, we can now, gratefully. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reason Sam Bradford didn't come up is because yeah. people weren't thinking that he was going to be an option. So, I mean, it, it, it puts the Eagles out there a little bit, too, and I don't think the Eagles were planning to win – this year, you certainly don't draft a quarterback second overall if you think that you have the guy that's going to take you where you want to go right now. But it puts the Eagles in a different spot, too, in terms of having to put a younger guy out there. And they're not going to be very good. No, they're not. They're not. That's the only reason, they know that. The only reason why Philadelphia made this trade was they know full well that they're going to stink. Yeah. And plus, the, the other thing I love And is, they have the draft next year and didn't have a first-round pick. And the other thing, yeah, good point. The other thing I absolutely love, too, about this league is every year now when a young quarterback gets taken high in the draft, or first couple rounds, the mantra is always, well, we're going to be the team that's not going to play him too soon. Yeah. We're going to be the team that lets Joey sit behind Larry because Larry's the veteran. And every year this timetable just gets speed. Yep. By the time we get to the season, it's like, okay, he's going to start probably in week three. Will we ever see a first-round pick again do what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers? For, to sit for that long. Well, the only question, well, no, probably I mean, that was a unique. Probably not because reasons, because but. it was the perfect storm of allowing him to sit. Probably much to his chagrin. Yes, but I very but much I guess the I guess the question becomes: Do you ever have a situation where a team could take what they deem to be a really good quarterback late in the first round? Yeah. See, I I've told Phil Phil this. I don't think you're ever going to see again a free fall. Um, because teams, you know, in 2005, right? Right. In 2005, yeah. in 2005, you were still operating under the theory of, well, we've got a quarterback. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're if you're the Vikings now, and you're drafting, let's say at 15, and he's free falling, you don't allow him to go. Right. If you have Culpepper, you don't allow that guy to go. So, because I remember going into the 2005 draft with uh, Smith and Rogers. Ben, the yep. whole thing was one of these guys is going to go one overall, mm-hmm. and the other guy, we have no idea. Right. I don't think you would ever have that again. Somebody would either come up and make a huge trade to get to get Rodgers yeah. at two or three, yeah, like the, and or did. someone in, I think, the top five would cut the free fall and say, yeah, we've got Bradford, but we don't care. There might Part of it might be there aren't enough teams that are confident in their quarterback situation not to pull the trigger on it. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks. Well, and the rules, so you know, in the last, what, 10 years, 11 years, too, the rules have also skewed so much towards the passing game. Yeah, that, and towards having a young quarterback financially, yeah. like we were talking about so, before. So I would say unless you have some type of really bizarre perfect storm come up, I don't think you'll ever again see a quarterback fall yeah. like that to create a circumstance where he can sit. And that was that was strange in the sense that you had a quarterback that, 
okay, if he's here, he's a starter, but every year we don't know if he's going to be here because he talks about retiring. And then it's in the old financial system so that you could sign a guy for five or six years yeah. without having to worry about and it. And the starter won't help the new kid because right. he's mad because they drafted him. Watch and learn like everybody hey, else. Hey, don't, don't forget, too, the backstory is the year before, so so 2005 was Ted Thompson's first draft. Yeah. The backstory was that Mike Sherman, I believe it was in 2004, really liked J.P. Lossman. Oh gosh! So yeah. there, there would have been a there would have been a good How chance. How would the world be? There would have been a good chance of Viking fans that if the Packers had gotten their way in 2004, that they would have drafted J.P. Lossman. And I don't know that Thompson that then would have come in in 2005 and taken yeah. Rodgers. My guess is he wouldn't have. My guess is having seen how Ted operated, he would have bailed out of the first round entirely to get Probably. more second or third round picks. So you could have had a world where Brett Favre was replaced by J.P. Lossman and the entire division. And the course of your rivalry with the Green Bay Packers would have been changed. Does Brett Favre ever come here in that situation? No, because it's probably a disaster. With who, who knows? Yeah, and he, he retires when who he knows? wants to retire, and they ride it, and they're probably still trying to find their guy. Viking, Maybe. Vikings uh, cut the roster to the regular season at limit of fifty three on Saturday. Yes, I saw no huge surprises. I did think it was interesting, and now this guy had a bad training camp, but I did think it was interesting that they bailed on. My favorite Bail name, Bill Beavers. Billy Beavers. Willie Beavers, offensive lineman, gets bailed on in the uh, fu- uh, in, in the final cuts. Which, as far as a top, you know, uh, top five picks of what fourth round, right? Yeah. Rick Spielman absolutely hates to do highest pick the Vikings have ever released in training camp under Rick Spielman since two thousand seven. Wow. I I had to I had to go back so far looking this up that I, I was pressed for time when I was doing it. I was like, I'm going to stop there because. I don't know how far I would have had to go back. It, it was further back than that. I want to say it was almost like to like Demetrius Underwood, maybe. I mean, there, there may be one in there. Who walked away, so those are right. completely unique circumstances. Totally different. Yeah. But in terms of a guy that didn't make your roster out of camp that really? you took that high. Yep. That, there was, you know, Greg Childs was the same round. Greg Childs was picked a few picks after Bill Beavers, our buddy was taken but his so knees blew up his knees blew up so in i mean terms we're talking of a guy a healthy, with skill like couldn't cut it i was gonna say we're talking about a healthy yeah player here who was cut because he yeah. wasn't good enough to make right. the roster that's been a really long time since the vikings have done that unless there's some glaring example that i'm missing i was trying to go look that up yesterday but certainly is the highest pick they've cut in the spielman era that high which tells you a couple things number one he was that bad that they just said, hey, this isn't going to work out. Number two, sure. they talked during the draft, and they traded out of the third round, and he was the next guy they took after that, about how hard this roster was going to be to make. I, I believe that. I do not believe that with the offensive line, though. I, If you're talking about, oh, this roster's tough to make at running back. This roster's tough to make at cornerback. Okay. Offensive line, I don't buy that because of all the the injuries they've had to deal with in training camp, if he was good enough at all that you thought there was something there, I don't think you would have cut him. And the fact that you keep a guy like Jeremiah Searles over him, yep. a guy like Nick Easton, Zach Karen, I mean, you didn't invest as much to get those guys in here as you did with, with Bill Beavers. So, Willie Beavers, come Willie on. Willie Beavers. I'll give, him William. Some, I'll give him some dignity. William William Beavers. Beavers. In his, uh, which will which will be the official hour. name on his name tag now at uh, the grocery store, State Farm Insurance. Yeah, hi, I'm William Beavers, and 
Haven't I heard of you before? Uh, no, 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 I, no. I, I, didn't no. you used to be Willie no, Beavers? No, that's not me. The other thing, the other point I'll make on this is that their track record of developing offensive linemen still has a lot of blemishes, whether it's T.J. Clemmings, who's been up and down, Austin Shepard, David Yankee. I mean, they've cut, I think this is the third lineman they've taken in the last three draft that, drafts that they've cut already. Hmm. Um you know, there have been a few – Tyrus Thompson, so maybe the fourth. But um, there are a lot of those. And it's a tough position. I get that. Rick Spielman's talked about that before. But right. they have struggled to find those guys in the draft. Surprises for you besides that? I mean, it was pretty really. – I, I went through the list. It didn't no, exactly I mean, catch Griffin, me. No, I Griffin, I guess, is the only one. I get, They technically didn't even really cut him. That yeah. was just odd the way it played out that he didn't know if he was getting put on IR or if he was getting cut. Yeah. I do wonder sometimes, the Vikings do this at the end of every training camp where there's a guy that you figure would be back in like week three or week four that they put on IR, Yep, which I'm sure irks players that want to go be able to play somewhere. Right. I would be curious to look it up, and I haven't done it, so I, I don't want to cast aspersions without having a little more research on it. I would be curious to see how many other teams do that in terms of guys that you think are going to be able to play in October. Agents probably don't love that, huh? No, I'm sure they don't. Um, guys that would be able to play that soon that you say, okay, we're going to put them on IR because we don't want them to go play somewhere else. Right. And we can, so screw you. I mean, you can do that. You're within your right to do that. You have the contractual ability to do that. Um, I Every year it seems like you hear about a guy that isn't crazy about it. I would be curious to see how much other teams do that. Last thing I saw your tweet, I think on uh, Saturday before the cuts were announced, that uh, Jarius Wright... Ah, yes was being shopped. Yes. Uh, do you think Jarius' roster spot is still in trouble? And uh, since we're on the topic of wide receivers who might be in trouble, is noted return man Cordero Patterson in any trouble with this team? He did make the roster. And yes. He clearly made the roster, despite the fact the depth chart. I think I think the depth chart put Cordero ahead of Thielen or something silly like that. Yeah. Well, Cordero and Thielen are both ahead of Jerry's right. Well, could the people could the people across the street who who run the website when they put out their unofficial depth chart make a better guess? You could make a better guess. You could get the numbers right on the new quarterback too. Don't put number seven on there and then chirp the beat writer. For I love the fact following they, what you. Put I love on your the website. Fact, That's an idea. I love the fact that the website people put that Sam Bradford was going to wear seven, which, by the way, is important to the fan base. Yes. Because the fan, I guarantee you, the Vikings... People somebody those Ponder jerseys want to take the duct tape out and yes. be able to use it again. I can also guarantee you that there was a large contingent of Viking fans yesterday making plans to get their Bradford jerseys. Yeah. So so if you're going to put seven, be right about it. Don't guess. Right. But, um, but yeah, the depth chart thing. So, uh, so Jarius Wright and Cordero. Jarius Wright, I think they were trying. I I heard this week that they were open to the possibility of trading either of those guys. Now, Jarius Wright, I think, was more of a focus because of what we talked about. Cordero plays special teams. He's a kick returner. There's more you can do there in terms of <clears throat> on offense too, being able to move him around a little bit. The the thing with Jarius Wright is he basically plays one position. He's a slot guy, and you have People that have passed him up now, Adam Thielen has done it. Stephon Diggs could be a guy that you see eventually. If if Laquan Treadwell winds up yeah. in the offense, your outside guys could be Treadwell Johnson, Diggs is your slot. Yeah, he'd be fine. Which is a pretty good setup. So Jarius Wright's been passed up by a couple guys now. I mean, Adam Thielen doing what he did really changes the picture. And you know, a couple people, when I tweeted this yesterday, it's like they just signed him to that contract a year ago, but... Think about everything that's changed with this receiver group since they gave him that deal. Laquan Treadwell's in the building. 
Charles Johnson got hurt and now has come back. Stephon Diggs was a fifth-round pick that you couldn't count on yet. Adam yeah. Thielen was a special teams guy. Mike Wallace is gone. Mike Wallace and is Mike gone. Wallace had one thing going for him. Right. Diggs has multiple things going right. for him. Right. Sure. So there, there are, and Cordero is still Cordero, but there are a number of different factors with this group that don't necessarily play in Jarius Wright's favor. Now I, I saw uh, Rick Spielman. I, presumably or somebody with the Vikings you know tell the Star Tribune oh we're not shopping him I mean what I had heard by the time yesterday morning came around was they're not having a lot of luck shopping him because I I think that they would have liked to do it I I heard all week that they were trying to move him I'm sure at that point when you're keeping him you're trying to say no 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 we're not shopping him because you if he's going to be on the roster you don't want him to think that but yes they absolutely were trying to move him and I think the fact that they couldn't yeah, I mean, if somebody comes through at some point and says, hey, we need a receiver, I would keep an eye on that because you have enough depth. He's still a serviceable receiver. It's just he doesn't necessarily – it's a part that doesn't fit in what you're trying to build as well as it used to. It's not anything against him. He's still a good player. He's been a, a good leader for that group. But he just doesn't fit quite as well as what you thought when you gave him that contract. And if you get somebody that wants to give you a, you know, a, a late pick for him – I, yeah, I think they'd look at doing that at some point. Take us home, Ben Gessling. I think we're done. Yeah, I think we have uh, we've probably covered it all. We we gave you some uh, Sam Bradford speculation. We gave you some boring financial talk. We gave you the sports Grinch's conspiracy. Pretty theories. interesting, actually. It's financial a, talk. Quite a uh, well, yeah, it's interesting. But some people may get bored with it. I I think it's interesting. You're a Viking fan. It's going to impact you. Yeah, and I've got an accounting degree too, so maybe I like that well, stuff. That was good more. stuff. But, all right, uh, we got a we got a crazy uncle on the porch. We got the nerdy accountant. We will be back next week when we have actual football to discuss, consequential football. The Vikings open a week from today in Nashville against the Tennessee Titans. We will be breaking things down all week in various formats at ESPN.com and at 1500ESPN at 1500ESPN.com. We will have more for you in the next Purple Podcast. Thanks for listening to this one, and we will talk to you soon. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog, Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect, filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers. Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.